One of the crazy challenges that me and the staff that was actually on site in the commissioner's basement was how do we get all this high-end professional equipment to work in a consumer environment, right? So we're working consumer TVs and trying to solve these problems. And um, that was one of the things that with all our planning and anticipating until we really got on site, didn't realize, hey, we're, we're going to a regular TV in a man cave. You're listening to Sports Tech Feed, the global sports technology podcast. Hello and welcome to Sports Tech Feed, the global sports technology podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Loams, and it's great to have you join us again this week. If you're new to the show, then welcome. Each episode, we feature an in-depth interview with a different industry leader discussing the revolutionary impact technology is having on how sports are played, how it's administered, and how it's consumed around the world. So what's on the show this week? Who's joining us? Why should you care? Well, it's Tim Tobito, Director Event Presentation Content at the NFL. Tim is an Emmy Award-winning producer and director with over 15 years of production and game presentation experience with the New York Jets, Madison Square Garden Company, including the Knicks, and most recently, the National Football League. In his current role, Tim oversees event presentation and content for all of the NFL's major tentpole events, including the Super Bowl, the NFL Draft, NFL Kickoff, as well as game presentation strategy across all 32 clubs. So if you watch any of these events, which also means if you haven't been under a rock uh, the last few years and you're working in sports, you would have seen Tim's handiwork uh, and what the NFL and the rest of the team are doing there. If you'd like to learn more about Tim and see his full bio, Check out the LinkedIn contact details and some links to articles and videos that we chat about in this episode. Then head to our website, sportstechworldseries.com forward slash podcast. You'll also find previous episodes and links to subscribe across all your favorite podcast platforms. Sports Tech Feeds available quite widely out there, different podcast platforms. So choose your poison, subscribe to which one you like and make sure you don't miss an episode. And you're in for a great one today. We're covering off everything from advanced tech such as mixed reality at the Super Bowl to going old school whilst cramped in the NFL commissioner's basement for the first ever virtual draft. And without further ado, here's Tim Tobito. You're listening to Sports Tech Feed. Tim Tobito, uh, welcome to Sports Tech Feed. How's it going, Thomas? Thanks for having me. Going well, mate. Well, there's a lot I want to talk about today, and I, I think probably the best way we can start is with you giving me a little bit of scene setting uh, with your career journey so far and then what you're actually doing day to day with the NFL. Sure. A lot of what uh, I've worked on in my career is kind of forward thinking with technology and really engaging the fans and how we take different pieces of co- pieces of content and uh, reimagine them in creative ways to um, engage an audience. Um, and my work over the years in the NFL and at Madison Square Garden has really been looking for the new opportunities to engage fans as fans have evolved over the past 15 years that I've been in sports. How do we keep them engaged, keep them entertained? And that is a challenge um, from event to event, and that is a challenge from year to year. So um, it's the main focus has been uh, balancing that entertainment of fans, keeping the focus on the sport itself, and uh, and really just just staying ahead of what's going on in the world, not only in sports but just live entertainment in general. Yeah, definitely. So that's something that you would look to. I don't necessarily want to use the word competition, but maybe inspiration is. It's not just what other sports are doing; it's actually what's happening in the broader world of entertainment. 
Absolutely, because I think sometimes I catch myself when I'm talking about uh, games and event presentations, specifically when you're talking about uh, entertaining fans during a game, and I'll refer to it as the show. And people who, who you know, typically c- consider it a game, they'll say, oh, well, it's a game. And I think over the years, certainly I'm a, a huge football fan, and I grew up a huge football fan and played the game. But now through this new lens, I look at it as, look at it as a complete show. So um, those times where there is an activity going on on the field, how are we entertaining fans? How are we keeping them engaged? So um, it's become kind of a complete show in addition to the football game. You never want to take away from the football game, but um, you want to make sure you enhance it and take a show approach. So with that in mind, you certainly look at other entertainment categories, whether it's Las Vegas style shows, Broadway shows, live entertainment in general. So I think um, that appeals to both the avid fan, which is uh, very important to the NFL in engaging the avid fan, but it's also engaging that casual fan and that fan that doesn't know so much about the game. So that entertainment point is so important. Mm. And we'll, we'll talk about some of the virtual um, initiatives that you've you've worked on lately. But just on that, is gaming something that you you look to for kind of inspiration as well? Like we've seen recently on the same night that the NFL draft um, happened, we had Fortnite doing a crossover concert with Travis Scott. Yep. Um, is that something that you kind of keep a finger on the pulse of? Absolutely. I think they're, you know, what they're doing, they're appealing to an audience that everyone wants to appeal to. It's a younger demographic and everyone's interested in that audience. And it's a very um, visually and, um, audio and lighting stimulating presentation that they do. So um, I, I've gained appreciation for, I, I used to be a gamer probably back in like the eighties, nineties before it was a gamer type thing, but um, I, appreciating how they bring that to life and they engage their fans and, and, you know, there's inspiration from around the world. So, you know, as we talk about what we did mixed reality wise at the Super Bowl. um, that's some of the stuff that we saw uh, coming from some gaming world and some things over in Japan. So yeah, you you have to, you have to be open to grab inspiration from everywhere and then apply it to how it fits into your sport and, um, and make sure it fits in with your show. So uh, in some of the cases, I think a lot of people have seen that kind of mixed reality dragon at, at a, a gaming event overseas. Um, a flying and dragon doesn't necessarily work in the Super Bowl, but how do we apply that technology to do something yeah. that fits our show? Yeah, and something that is um, pushing beyond gimmick to something that's integrated, meaningful, yep. uh, rather than just a, a kind of what was that like? A, yeah, rather yeah. than a character in the show, how does this um, how does this enhance both the live experience and the broadcast and really storytelling? Right, I mean, storytelling is kind of what it's all about. Whether you're doing you know, normal content and you're doing live event content, how does that technology apply into your storytelling? Yeah, definitely. So drilling down into your, your day-to-day responsibilities, what does that look like with the NFL? Uh, so it, it covers a wide range of things. So I think the, the thing that's easily identified is overseeing uh, event presentation for our tentpole events. So that's, uh, you know, the planning the strategy behind the Super Bowl, planning the strategy behind the NFL draft, how we bring new live entertainment elements into it. But there's also a whole nother side to it where um, 
my work along with our club business development group who we work closely with is to support the 32 clubs and drive best practices across the 32 clubs and really be a voice for those teams for what those what their needs are the challenges they're facing in their market because each market is so different. You go from New York to Kansas City and what might work in New York doesn't necessarily work in Kansas City and the other way around. So really making sure that we are providing information to those clubs so they can entertain their fans in the best way possible. And also looking outside the industry and sharing that with the club so they can apply some of those things as well. So that's a big part of what we do day to day, as well as kind of planning our events, which planning our events is a year round thing, if you can imagine. Mm. You start planning for the next Super Bowl before you've even finished the previous Super Bowl. And same with the draft. These things take a, a lot of time and a lot of planning and a lot of moving pieces. So um, there's those are probably the, the main things. And then it's, it's just also uh, working with our different groups within the organization to make sure that um, – what we're doing fits into the overall NFL plan, whether how do our events fit into our marketing plan, how we're pushing social initiatives and, and really covering the full scope of what we want to represent as a league. Yeah, definitely. And so you've previously worked at the Jets and the Knicks. Um, how does that differ from working from an individual team to now working for a league as a whole? Yeah. So I spent, I spent a long time at the Jets and that was, um, it was a great experience because that gave me the opportunity to see things from a couple different angles. Um, I actually started on kind of the football coaching technology side of things with the Jets, which gave me that kind of football operations perspective, um, which really helped me understand the game and understand what coaches and players need. And then I transitioned more to content and uh, event presentation where our focus was really on how do we engage the fan base? How do we keep content fresh? But always in the back of my mind, how does this apply and help our players and coaches on the field? So I think the, the biggest difference between club and, um, and working at the league is that the club you're kind of week to week and you're reimagining things from week to week at the NFL, you have a lot more time between your events and they're much larger events, but um, they, the events that we put on with the NFL outside of the Super Bowl and our international games, they've really grown into these large kind of fan festivals. So they're almost like, um, you know, they're almost like a Lollapalooza in a lot of ways because they're so sprawling and big and, and vast in how you're trying to entertain the fans. Um, for the club, you're, you're very specific. You have your fan base focus. You know what your target audience mm. is. You know, you're very intimate with that fan base and how to approach them and engage them. And you can get intimate with those players. Um, with the NFL, it's still trying to tell those stories, but again, telling those stories across the entire landscape of the league. And there are so many different stories to tell. It's how do you pinpoint those stories and make sure everyone's covered evenly and fairly, which is a very important thing to make sure the league as a whole is represented um, across, across all entities. And so I think um, the biggest difference is probably the scale of the events that we put on at the NFL. Um, which there, there's nothing like it in the world. Doing a, a Super Bowl uh, is it, – it's incredible. Just you don't realize the magnitude until you're in it, and when you're doing it, it's, it's just not a normal game. Whereas, it's a, it's a, akin to a military operation there's, there's, in terms of like what you would compare it to um, just purely yeah. logistics-wise. But yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and and the the number of people that it takes to put on those events for the NFL, it's just tremendous. It's such a huge team effort, and um, you know, it, it's the same with clubs. But you're you you have a very uh, a targeted focus um, when you work for a club. You know that fan base. You know the, the things that they're looking for, and you're able to to kind of focus in on that a little bit more. Mm. So I mean, there's a lot that comes out of that, and I think the the virtual draft is something that I um, want to dive into before that. So you're planning the Super Bowl. Um, mm-hmm. So using technology to really enhance the fan experience, the the whole event presentation, as you said, you're planning that before you've even finished the one before. So we're talking yep. years in advance, you know, 18 months beyond that. How do you work with technology when it's constantly evolving and it's constantly updating. How do you basically hedge between what the latest and greatest is, but also what is guaranteed to work? Because the last thing you want is for it to all go, um, go wrong, kind of pear shaped on the day. Yep. So I think um, first you need opportunity, right? So I guess there's a couple of ways we look at um, when we plan our events. You know, you have your we look at it as you plan, um, you execute, then you evaluate and you take in the, uh, the data information and then you try to adjust to that for the next time you do it, right? But then there's also, um, what are the opportunities? So with the mixed reality ceremony, um, the all-time team ceremony, there was an opportunity there. So we really looked at how do we use technology to solve a problem? And the inherent problem with the all-time team ceremony was um, executing a ceremony that represents 100 players and 10 coaches in eight minutes or less on broadcast. Um, some of these players, they're older. Um, some of these legends are older, so they're not as mobile. Some are deceased. So how do we represent all those um, all those players and coaches adequately and fairly and evenly and do them all justice because this is an important moment for them. It's an important moment for the league. So it starts with the problem and then the solution, you get to that solution by examining the many different things that you can do. So we looked at uh, traditional ceremonies that we've done in the past where players are announced and they walk out and they show their name. That wasn't efficient for the time that we had and it also didn't feel big enough for the NFL's 100th season. Um, and then we looked into a bunch of, a bunch of other, uh, technologies and, and then basic storytelling, just showing a video to tell the story. But I think where we landed on mixed reality is it gave us the opportunity to represent all these players and, um, and really tell the story in a unique and different way. And yes, there's that risk with technology. So we looked at a bunch of different things, um, from holograms to mixed reality to some other technology and this how we landed on mixed reality is it just felt like the most natural for broadcast and the live event space. Um, But with that being said, going into it, no one had ever done an eight minute long uh, mixed reality uh, ceremony live on TV with that many moving parts. So, um, you know, we teamed up with famous group and we, you know, collectively inside the NFL, there was a, a very strong group made up of our, our broadcast team and, um, with Ani Bose and and, uh, and working with, uh, you know, the group that was behind the NFL 100 um, season itself, Pete Abitante. And, um, and then 
we had a you know player operations has to be involved to get the players out there our event operations just to you know uh, Eric Finkelstein's group and just getting people out onto the field in a timely manner there's so many things that have to come into place before you even get to the technology yeah um so it was kind of bringing those groups together seeing what makes sense from a logistical standpoint um, making sure the players are comfortable with it and then finding the right technology partner to really push and and execute this and then um, through all of that the thing that kind of started this this whole process was what is what we talked about earlier what is the meaning behind this ceremony it's just not technology for technology's sake um, and NFL films and their group they kind of uh, built the narrative for this story that would drive the technology. So if you go back and watch it, there's a, a very uh, clear storyline to what we're telling, and that's really pushed by the, the group at NFL Films. And then we move that into um, the mixed reality space and cutting between the live Fox stuff. So to I know I kind of got a roundabout way with um, – the mixed reality and trying to figure out how you use such a cutting edge or in this case it was somewhat bleeding edge technology for such a major event is you need the opportunity and yeah. it needs to to make sense for that opportunity so we had a problem mixed reality was the solution and uh and we felt strongly about it and then we we pushed it and that you know and just on the point of pushing it was there was there pushback either internally or, or other groups was it how, um, how do you get how do you get buy-in for something that is so um i guess as you said, yeah. bleeding edge like how do you get people going yes and not going oh this is too hard basket let's just do we'll just do a video yeah so i think that is really that really comes from the people that i work for and i work with i think you know, the culture that we have, and that's driven by the, the people I report to with Peter O'Reilly and Matt Shapiro, they, they encourage big thinking and they put a lot of trust in me. And, um, you know, you propose a sound plan and you have a trusted partner in Famous that we've counted on for some big projects and similar when we work with Van Wagner Sports. Um, they, they're, they're trusted partners that the league has worked with for a lot of years. So they're the types of groups that if they don't think they can get something done, they're going to tell you. Um, mm. And it's really working very collaboratively with those groups and taking things step by step. I mean, these were biweekly meetings, you know, constant late night emails with progress and sharing information. But um, for buy-in, I think that, you know, the, the group that I work with, they, they, everyone trusts each other and this is the biggest stage, right? And, mm. and we all know if we come together, um, we're going to be able to pull something off. With that being said, of course, was there a backup plan? Absolutely, there was a backup plan because there has to be, you know. Yeah. So um, we we examined the backup plan with a very traditional type of video cutting to live shots, which would have been less impactful. But I think we, um, you know, candidly, when we first rehearsed this the Tuesday before the Super Bowl, it was nowhere near where we needed it to be for Showtime, and it took a you know until you get on site, which is probably another big difference between a club and the league. A lot of times with the club, you have access to your own stadium and you could test things and rehearse things a lot more often. A lot of times with an NFL event, you get access to the site, you know, only shortly before the event or you're building something out um, and you can't test anything until um, that, that venue is built out. 
So in this case, we had very limited time to test this out and we had less than a week to work out the kinks and, and uh, you know, it was, it was tireless work and a lot of late nights, but working out every single detail to get us to the point where on Saturday, working with the Fox crew and figuring out the camera cuts and where the mixed reality and fine tuning the graphics, um, that all comes down to the wire. And we felt very strongly about it going into it. And that's, that's how we were able to execute it. Don't so get me wrong. I, I held my breath as we were doing <laughs> it. I held my breth, but you weren't, you weren't standing there in awe and wonder. You were just, just nervously. Yeah. Gritting your teeth, holding your breath. Yeah. At that point you've done everything you can do. And you just have to hope people, you know, trust the people that you work with to yeah. do their job and get it done. Yeah. If you, if you love something, set it free kind of thing. Just let it, Absolutely. let it go. So just final point on that from Super Bowl Sunday, working backwards, when was the decision made? How many months, weeks, even years before to use uh, mixed reality to solve that problem? As you said, I, I think, um, we first approached the idea of mixed reality for this ceremony probably back in, I'm going to say August prior to the Super Bowl. So um, I don't think we like firmly landed on it until probably late October, I would say. Um, so we had a pretty tight timeline. And then even from there, it was probably somewhere around thanksgiving where we really were able to start to get to work on it which was a very tight timeline for super bowl but yeah uh, so end of, end of november kind of so yeah. a few months but thinking about it for a few months before that so moving on to something that is makes that tight timeline look luxurious as a timeline uh share a little bit about the virtual draft i mean kind of the decision to go virtual like what was what was yeah put into the conception of that and then the process all the way through to execution. Yeah. So with the, the draft itself, um, again, it's, it's opportunity, right. And, you know, looking at this as not a negative when you have to go deal with the current situation that we're dealing with, but looking at the opportunity that we were given to do something different and special. So, um, you know, we had planned the Las Vegas draft and, you know, the, the city of Las Vegas was incredible in helping us plan this out. And we had some great ideas and uh, great partners to work on that. And we were really excited about it. And then, you know, years of work for me, it was a year of work, but for others, they've been working on it for years to bring this together. And, and that all kind of just goes away in one day. I think um, we did a good job of taking a breath and kind of reevaluating what we have to do now and figuring out what are the core elements of the NFL draft that make it important, right? So it's the picks, it's the players involvement, it's the emotion behind the prospects. It's uh, giving people, uh, giving fans insight into what's going on with the coaches and the GMs and the owners and, and how they're building the team. So we kind of, Again, another great, this was probably an even larger group effort than um, the all-time team ceremony because this uh, went across our broadcast group. It went to our broadcast partner at ESPN, um, our IT group, which was phenomenal in making, you know, connecting everyone and bringing everything together. Um, so I think we, we went into different working streams at, to, to solve all these different problems and how we bring things together. And I think... Um, we broke that out using different vendors and our internal support technology structure to, to make sure all those key elements, the fans, the players, um, 
the clubs and they're again everyone's represented really well and then the truth is you know the commissioner himself opening up his home and letting that be intimate and how do we bring all that together i think uh it was a pretty quick process i you know it, it was again long days and a lot of zoom meetings and learning how to how to rework where you can't get in a room and physically talk to people and do this through all zoom calls but again the solution was we started with um, what do we want to do and how do we get there and what technologies out there to get us there? And again, this was a case where with the, um, the fan inner circle or the virtual inner circle that we call it, this was something that had never been done before. And again, you know, um, the group at famous, they sometimes want to kill me because, you know, we'll come to them with these crazy ideas and we're like, how do we get this done without any kind of real technology background? And, uh, and they figure it out. And this goes with a lot of our partners. Yeah, fantastic. And so I guess that's something I hadn't considered is is that while you're preparing the virtual draft, you're doing that virtually as a team as well. Yeah. It's it's not only that you are, you know, the, the current circumstances with coronavirus and obviously league office has been in New York, which was um, hit pretty bad and, and a lot of lockdown kind of coming in quite quickly there. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a challenge in team dynamics and team efficiency and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, using... Yeah using something like Zoom as a technology tool, um, re relatively basic in the sense of it's just a video call, but wow, it's important. Like it's, it's incredibly important. Yeah, it's, it's those little things you take for granted when you work in the office where you have an idea and you need a quick answer and you could just walk down the hall or pop mm. into someone's office. Now it's, you know, a text message or a FaceTime call or a Zoom call and, um, I think as time went on, we figured out efficiencies in communication, um, but the groups did a really good job of kind of share, you know, we would go from, there was one day I think we did, uh, Katie Conklin, who I work with, she, she told me one day we were upwards of like 17 or 18 Zoom calls in one day just to kind of build ourselves up to the draft. And it was, it was exhausting, but, um, that communication was so important to like go over the plan over and over that the thing about this, not only were we separated, we were also separated around the country and had limitations as far as what people could do and couldn't do. And then who's, who's homeschooling their children and who's trying to balance all that stuff out while you plan a virtual draft that's never been done before. It was, uh, yeah. it's something I think we're all proud of in the end, both from, a technology standpoint, but just from like a, a sheer perseverance standpoint of a group coming together to pull off something as special as it was. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it went off without a hitch, no technical problems. It did everything it needed to do um, as a core device for um, choosing the players. So there was no issues there, but also as a, as a um, way of entering into the homes of, of the, the coaches and the, and the GMs and, and I mean, the commissioner itself is himself, as you said, and then also the the prospects. I think um, I think two hearts for me was Jerry Jones taking his from his yacht. <laughs> it was just like the most Jerry Jones thing ever. Uh, and then Belichick's dog. Um, <laughs> just, but like stuff like that, you just go. You can't rehearse that. That's just them at home, just kind of. And like some of the the social media content that came out of it, and the kind of memes, and the different ballroom setups, and the quirks, yeah. and um, you know, having their kids around and stuff like that. It was, it was, it, I thought it really humanized it. Um, it yeah. And, which is, and, 
I think it was well beyond what we even expected as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think we thought it'd be great to get into these coaches' homes and get into the owners' owners' homes and GMs' homes. Uh, we didn't realize how intimate it would become, and those images of coaches and GMs hugging their kids as making the picks. I don't even think the head coaches and GMs realized how. Um, how important that would be and, and what that represented. I, I guess for all of us, um, you know, not to get too sentimental, but we all work so much, especially when we're dealing with technology and sports that um, we forget how important it is to our families. So to see that and, and to see their families be a part of that, it was just, it, it was such a cool experience and such an amazing thing to be a part of. And then, you know, what we did with Draftathon and also not losing sight of what's going on in the world and raising money for the right causes. Mm. It, was, it was the perfect, uh, the perfect storm, a perfect opportunity. And we really, it, it's something we're proud of. Yeah, definitely. And what was the timelines from the point that you made the decision or, or the decision was made that uh, the draft would go virtual um, mm-hmm. to the actual draft night itself? Um, it, it really a, a couple of weeks. So, I mean, probably a, I would say it was uh, when did we go into lockdown now? I mean, I'm not even sure. Was that March? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Last, last year? No. Last year, yeah. right? So it was probably somewhere around the end of March where we we started to pivot to where, you know, what are we going to do now? So it was shortly after the announcement was made that we we weren't going to be going to Las Vegas. So um, we immediately started to pivot and those working groups were formed to target the different areas that needed to be focused on. And, um, and right up until, you know, draft day itself, we were still solving for problems and, you know, making adjustments um, after night one, when we realized what we could do and what we had on our hands, we were like, how do we enhance this and make this better for day two? And we were making changes that night after day one to, to um, bring in, you know, we were doing these, uh, these prospect calls with the commissioner. I'm sorry. I'm selected player calls with the commissioner where he would FaceTime and talk to a player and congratulate him. And then, you know, someone brought up a great idea. Well, why don't we bring in a legend from that team to do a three-way and this way, you know, you have, um, I, I think in one case it was Bruce Smith joined the Buffalo Bills draft pick and you have this great defensive lineman joining the commissioner with a new defensive lineman. And it just, it, it's that ability that this team has to constantly just, just because it was great night one, how do we do it better? Yeah. How do we, you know, push the technology? And, and I know, you know, because we, we do want to talk about a little bit about technology. Um, the unique thing about the overall setup of the draft was there was all, all this high-end professional equipment to get uh, signals around, whether it's trucks or working through D tags to send signals from one, you know, one part of the country to ESPN to the commissioner's home. Um, one of the crazy challenges that me and the staff that was actually on site in the commissioner's basement was um, how do we get all this high-end professional equipment to work in a consumer environment, right? So we're working yeah. consumer TVs and trying to solve these problems, and um, that was one of the things that with all our planning and anticipating until we really got on site, didn't realize, Hey, we're, we're going to a regular TV in a man cave. How are we getting all this <laughs> in? So. Um, was it, was it even like issues on like physical space? Like what you can uh, kind of just fit in a basement, in a house, what you can uh, kind of pipe in. Yeah. So it was, 
it was that, you know, there's power, there's power issues again, cause you're, you're in the house. So we have to account for that. And then there's, you know, the social distancing part of it. So it's not like you can roll in a crew of 25, 30 people to fix mm. all the problems. You're talking about two or three guys trying to, you know, you know, all the high end technology we use, we're using, you know, HDMI extenders and things like that to, uh, to convert signals and to extend to different TVs. And, and in some cases to make the switch, it was, you know, we had a, we had a switcher in there to change what was going on behind the, the commissioner. And, um, and it was, it was a test of every production skill I've ever learned. I haven't TD'd in years and this was the most basic TDing possible, but you know, TDing, operating graphics, helping switch things. But there were some cases things would go down and instead of coming up with a high tech solution, it's like, you know what, let's unplug this HDMI and plug it together. <laughs> so it, it's incredible. Just the, the, uh, what is it? Have you tried turning it on and off again? Or the, the equivalent of like getting the, um, the Nintendo 64 cartridge, yep, dating myself cartridge. and blowing it and chucking it back in, hoping for the best, yeah. um, which works most of the time. Uh, oh, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's an incredible experience. And, and it, it seriously came to fruition record viewerships, uh, mm -hmm. lots of engagement, lots of content coming out of it. How much of that do you see sticking around? Uh, I know they've announced that they're going back to Vegas next year. It's yep. going to be the full thing, the Bellagio and mm -hmm. getting the, you know, the gondola rides and all that. It's going to be the big show that was planned. How much of either the learnings or the actual um, kind of customer fan facing experience will be transferred uh, yep. going forwards? Yeah, so next year we're we're actually going to Cleveland. We'll be going to, to Las Vegas in two years. So next oh, year, my apologies. Yeah, no, no worries. Just want to make sure we give Cleveland their love. That it. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't so, want to get angry calls from Cleveland. <laughs> no, Cleveland. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think I I I know going into this, we're going to take a real look at the things we've done well, and that's um, you know going into the coaches and GMs' homes, and I think a lot of the feedback from those those GMs and coaches is they liked doing it at home. I know there was some some hesitation at first because it wasn't the norm. They're used to being in their war rooms, but um, a lot of the feedback is they liked being around their family. They felt like they worked efficiently. Again, our IT team and football operations to just um, manage the most important part of this draft, right, is making sure the operation of it and the picture getting in. Um, the job that uh, – the IT, IT team did to make sure that went smoothly gave a lot of these clubs confidence to work in that type of environment. So we, we hope that uh, some of the, some of the clubs continue to embrace that and then we can go into their homes again. And then, um, you know, you still get a lot of those really cool moments with the on-site stuff, with the prospects in the green room. Um, but this also gives us the opportunity to still go into more homes with prospects and really dig into the emotion. So, yeah, I think we're, we're certainly going to look at what's the balance here because we have our fan inner circle, which, um, which normally takes place at a live NFL draft. It's those avid fans that are in front of the stage representing their club. But now maybe through the virtual inner circle, this gives us an opportunity to extend it beyond uh, those fans who couldn't come to Vegas and still continue those practices. So I think there's certainly elements that we executed that have a part and have a role in future drafts. It, it just makes a lot of sense when you have, um, when you tug on the heartstrings and you really make that connection to the people who are part of this game and you give that, 
that great uh, behind the curtain look at what the people are about in this league that make up this league. It's so important and it's so unique. So I think that's the one thing that we really captured with this draft and we want to continue to capture that. Yeah. And all enabled by technology at the end of the day. Absolutely. I know we're, we're, we should be talking a little bit more technology, but the that's the, the truth. No, but that's, but that's the point is technology is not the, is not the main event. It is the enabler. And I think to your early point about um, mixed reality is it's not going, how do we use, use this new cool, shiny toy? Um, we want to show off that we can do mixed reality. It's going, we have a problem. We need a solution. Can technology provide a solution? Yes. Is it something that's cutting edge? Yes. Well, let's use it then um, rather than, than gimmicks. And, and that's so true across this kind of business side of, of sports in terms of the fan engagement, but also on the performance side. That's what a lot of um, people say to me. You know, Olympic directors are a classic one. They always say, give me, give me a tool, not a gimmick. Um, yep. It wants Absolutely. to be something that's used for performance. So Yeah, it, yeah. it should be... It should be um, additive to your overall show um it shouldn't take over the show mm. and and that goes with anything and there's there there are so many other things from the technology standpoint um going back to super bowl that we did well um that doesn't get as much um praise because it's just one of those things that's so additive to the game itself um just how we incorporate next gen stats into a game we we've had we incorporated more next gen stats into that super bowl than any, any other super bowl before and we brought those to life um you know in such a creative graphic way that really made those stats appealing and tell a story and it's one of the things that we received a lot of praise for but people didn't even really they, they didn't know what they were saying. They just felt like it was a nice addition to the game to mm. see all the different levels of stats that were a part of that game and how we brought them visually. Um, so that, that really goes with anything in technology and it's how we, how we really look at it at the league. How do we find that cutting edge technology to give the best, the ultimate fan experience, but it doesn't necessarily have to be in your face where we're knocking you over the head saying, look, it's technology, it's technology. It's just, it has to feel right. It has to feel appropriate for the, our voice that we're trying to get across to our fans and our, and we want our fans to embrace it and feel comfortable with it. So um, technology is what made this draft come together, but the people who help figure out to connect the different parts of this technology really brought this together again. Um, I can't, I can't overstate how great our, our production team and our IT team was to bring all this stuff together. Cause in a lot of cases uh, on my side of things, we just say crazy ideas that we want done. <laughs> don't really know how they're going to get done. Um, but it's, it's those groups that really make this stuff happen. Yeah, definitely. So what do you think the, the next biggest innovation is, is going to be, I mean, you can either use that to crystal ball and think what it is, or you can do what you've just said you've, you do with your technology partners and just say something cool that you want to see, hmm. um, and kind of wish it into existence, but take it either way yeah. you like, what's, what's kind of the next big thing. So it's hard to say because if, if, if you told me, if you asked me this question about a year ago, I, I hadn't even, you know, crossed the idea of mixed reality at this point. So mm. um, it, it's really just keeping an eye on what's going on and what's out there. So, you know, when I was with the Jets, I was very much involved with virtual reality and augmented reality and how we use that 
to br- bring the fans into the game. It's just keeping an eye on how these things evolve, right? It's um, So what's the next step for mixed reality? How is that? So that was great for an eight-minute ceremony. How is that practically applied, um, which is that 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 part of my job that is important and takes up a lot of my time is how is that practical for all 32 clubs and how can these clubs in a more um, reasonable fashion apply mixed reality into their games and how do they use that to enhance their game presentation and how does broadcast use that to enhance what they're doing week to week and and we know like broadcast uses it for their stats and they they use Mm. kind of augmented reality and mixed reality for their stats but how do we continue to use that as a tool and evolve that tool and then as new technologies evolve um you know again bringing fans virtually into events like there's a there's a bigger role there now right um you know no matter what the situation is uh you still want to be able to bring people from their homes that can't necessarily attend games at a stadium whether they live across the country or or you just want to give them an option how do they engage with our events and our games so well, also across the world i mean with the announced that the the international uh games aren't going to be happening this year so it, it's going how do you use technology to bring those fans um, that otherwise would have been able to go to a game but don't have the opportunity um how do you engage them? Yeah. And that's similar to the the work that was done around the club. So I know I talked a lot about what we did at the league level, but the clubs themselves did some phenomenal work around virtual draft parties and engaging their fans. And it, it opened up a world to not only their local fan base that could be a part of these draft parties like they normally are, but, you know, fans, whether that's Giants fans who live in California or Niners fans who live in New York, were now able to engage in uh, the draft parties for their favorite teams. Yeah, without um, having to, I was going to say brave a hostile bar environment, but no one was going <laughs> to a bar, so that's 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 a bad example. But yeah, maybe maybe at home if you've got fans from you know, mum goes to one team, dad goes to the other, and the kids are split as well. Yep. Yeah, uh, I, I lived in my my, uh, you know, I worked for the Jets for a long time, and my older brother was a diehard Patriot fan. And oh no. I was like, this is bizarre. And, I, and, what, and some of my best friends worked for the Patriots, but it was just always, so I, w- I would say to my brother, like, how are you the biggest Patriot fan in the world? I've worked for the Jets forever, but, you know, we, we got over it. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure he's not too disappointed with being a Patriots fan over the last, yeah. I, they've, had a, they've had a little bit of success lately. So he, He's had a good run. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Tim. I've got to leave you with um, one question we ask all our guests. Uh, what's your favorite sporting moment of all time? Um, so, uh, you know, I'll give you two. I'll give you one as a fan and one as as an uh, employee of the league. So, um, sporting moment. Oh, all right. Let me, let me give you as a professional. It was, it was the Super Bowl. It was working this past Super Bowl. Um, I think, again, as you know, when the mixed reality show finished, there was still a full game to be played. So it wasn't exactly in that moment. But I think when the game was over and uh, Matt Shapiro, who I work so closely with, and he's great, he's so great to work for, we just kind of stood up and looked at each other and we were just like, we, we did it. You know, like we just did the Super Bowl. And I think, you know, being in sports for as long as I've been to just 
the you know I, I haven't missed a Super Bowl my entire life. I've been watching it since I'm a kid. So to be a part of that and to be able to entertain a hundred million fans and do a really good job of it with a team that you love working with and being able to look over at the guy um, for us it was our together it was our first year putting this together it was just there was no better feeling in the world and the team or the the amount of support that I had that week I know you, you kind of brought it up earlier about um, internal pushback and all that stuff it was nothing but support even for people who didn't understand what the technology was and how we we're going to pull this off the entire team around us uh, supported our goal here and it was I don't know I mean the, the Super Bowl was an emotional week and it was it was awesome and I don't think it's gonna be hard to top that yeah, yeah. that's awesome yeah. And uh, what about as a fan? As a fan. So this is a tricky one. I mean, I'm a life, lifelong Yankee fan, so I still remember my first ever Yankee game and, and uh, you know, going to games on Sundays with, uh, with my dad. But uh, probably, oddly enough, the most memorable uh, moment was I was actually at the Tuck game at Foxborough Stadium with my diehard Patriot fan brother. Um, this was the year before I started with the Jets or maybe two years before I started with the Jets. And we sat on the snow on the bleachers in old Foxborough. And, and that's one of those very cool memories, mostly because I know how much it meant for my brother. I mean, he's as diehard of a Patriot fan as you'll ever get. And I'm pretty sure he cried after that game. So, uh, yeah, that was just cool. I was there with my two brothers and it was just, it, it was a great experience to be there. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time again, Tim. That was a, it was a really good discussion. We'll include in the show notes a, a few links to some of the kind of behind the scenes of, of some of these, some really interesting articles I read um, preparation for this interview that, that kind of dive into the work that you've done. And I'd, I'd love to share those with our, um, with our listeners. So I'll include those and um, maybe we'll get some footage from that, um, from that Patriots game. And of course, the mixed, mixed reality um, sure. presentation from the Super Bowl. Cool. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Thomas. There you have it. That was Tim Tobito from the NFL speaking all about the advanced technology that they're implementing. Some really interesting insights from Tim's point of view. And certainly the the key takeaway that I took was it's about the fan experience and understanding that narrative that sits behind that and that technology is there as a solution. It's an enabler to solve problems. It's not something that is just added kind of for effect. Uh, it needs to actually have a meaningful and a purposeful application. And that means that there's the opportunity, as he said, that the mixed reality, what happened with the um, the Super Bowl, there was the opportunity there and, and that's how it came about rather than just trying to wedge mixed reality in there just because it was some cool kind of bleeding edge technology. And of course, some uh, kind of interesting anecdotes about being in the commissioner's basement on draft night certainly probably wanted to tell the grandkids that you were uh, you hung out in in Roger Goodell's man cave for the first ever virtual draft. So I'm sure Tim's got that to to share for many years to come, and looking forward to what uh, himself and and his team and the whole NFL do to to push that fan experience forward once sports resume in some way and and beyond that as well when we return to the new normal. And continuing that vein, next week we have Mike Downey from Microsoft. He's talking a lot about the deal that they've signed with the NBA. So looking at ways that advanced technology, including artificial intelligence, can personalize um, and enhance the fan experience. If you haven't done so already, then subscribe to Sports Tech Feed uh, on whatever platform you're using. 
Uh, make sure you don't miss a show. Shows are every week. We have some great leaders coming up, uh, some guests coming from all walks of life in, in the sports technology industry and from all around the world. So stay tuned. If you've got any feedback, please contact me, thomas at sportstechworldseries.com. You can also check out sportstechworldseries.com forward slash podcast uh, for show notes and some of the back catalogue of guests. Until next week, stay safe. Looking forward to seeing you next week.